2011, six atomic power reactors at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear site in Japan were severely damaged after a 9.0 magnitude earthquake in the Pacific Ocean rocked the area. The earthquake generated a 45-foot-tall tsunami that overcame the nuclear plant's seawalls, flooding the nuclear site's lower levels. The earthquake and subsequent tsunami was responsible for close to 16,000 deaths, over 6,000 injured people, and uh, 2,529 missing people. This according to the National Police Agency of Japan. As a result of the tsunami, there were three nuclear meltdowns, three hydrogen explosions, and mass contamination of the region. More than 160,000 people were forced from their homes after the meltdowns at the plant, this according to ABC News Australia. The plant's operator, Tokyo Electric Power Co., or TEPCO, overlooked numerous warnings prior to the disaster and carried on business as usual. TEPCO officials were also reluctant to adopt global safety standards, which could have prevented the disaster. Although the number of deaths as a result of the earthquake and tsunami surpassed those of the nuclear disaster, it still had a wide global impact, such as the spread of radioactive materials across the Pacific Ocean. Experts estimate that between 20 to 40 trillion uh, units that are used to measure radioactivity of tritium have been released into the ocean between 2011 and 2013. In 2018, the Japanese government acknowledged for the first time that a worker at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear site died from radiation exposure following the disaster. It was classified as a level seven event, the highest level on the international nuclear event scale by the International Atomic Energy Agency. This made it the second worst nuclear disaster in human history after the 1986 Chernobyl disaster in the former Soviet Union, in which there were at least 42 acute and prolonged deaths. In September 2019, three former top executives of TEPCO were acquitted of professional negligence resulting in death and injury related to the disaster. Let us go now to a clip about what's happening now of Japan now releasing this contaminated water into the Pacific Ocean. The Japanese government plans to release treated wastewater from the destroyed Fukushima nuclear plant into the ocean in two years. Officials are assuring the public that the more than one million tons of treated and diluted radioactive water will be safe. But the decision is being met with opposition at home and abroad. Lucy Kraft explains. Within two years, Japan says it will start releasing treated radioactive water from the Fukushima nuclear power plant into the Pacific Ocean. Now, Tokyo insists this can be done safely. The water will be decontaminated and diluted to safe levels. But many residents here remain firmly opposed. Protesters gathered at the prime minister's residence in downtown Tokyo to denounce the government's decision. Over one million tons of contaminated water looms over the Fukushima power plant, a massive tank farm big enough to fill 500 Olympic-sized swimming pools. The government says it's run out of room. 
Japanese Prime Minister Suga said years of study by his advisors concluded that ocean discharge was the most feasible alternative. He said the International Atomic Energy Agency also supports this plan as scientifically reasonable. The decision to dump Fukushima wastewater has drawn fire from neighboring Asian countries and local fishermen. Critics like Greenpeace nuclear specialist Sean Burney argue Japan should continue storing wastewater near the stricken Fukushima plant. Deliberately discharging and contaminating the Pacific Ocean after decades of contamination already from the nuclear industry, from nuclear weapons testing, is just not acceptable. The actual release of water will take decades to complete. And meanwhile, critics are saying that independent monitors should be allowed to verify that radioactive levels are in fact safe. Okay, now I'd like to welcome our guest, Kevin Camps, who served as radioactive waste watchdog at Beyond Nuclear since 2007. Beyond Nuclear advocates for an energy future that is sustainable, benign, and democratic. Uh, Kevin, thank you for joining us. Hi, Margaret. Okay, so Kevin, the government of Japan, they're saying that dumping the wastewater doesn't present a threat to people or the environment. Nevertheless, uh, uh, the fishing community, environmental groups, neighboring countries are up in arms about this or opposed to this. Your thoughts, is, is the government right? What are, what are the concerns about this? No, the Japanese government and Tokyo Electric and even the International Atomic Ener Energy Agency are wrong. Dilution is not the solution to radioactive pollution. It's another blow to the ocean, and what they don't want to talk about is that the radioactive contamination still in this wastewater at astronomical levels in terms of tritium, which is radioactive hydrogen, will reconcentrate in the seafood, and people are at the top of that food chain. So that is going to be another exposure to harmful radioactivity. And tritium, radioactive hydrogen, can go anywhere in the human body that hydrogen goes, which is everywhere, right down to the DNA molecule where it can do its damage. Yeah, now with a big deal, you know, uh, today on uh, it being Earth Day, all the best to you, Kevin, uh, for this Earth Day. Um, the White House, uh, the, the, thank you, the Biden administration uh, holding a virtual summit with over 40 leaders uh, from around the world, including uh, Suga, the, the leader in Japan there. And uh, the Biden administration making a very, very big deal about uh, the environment and environmental policies and have um, named uh, John Kerry as the climate uh, envoy. Nevertheless, the United States has thrown its weight uh, behind uh, this move um, from Japan. I mean, are they giving any explanation uh, for this? I mean, are there any options, other options available than releasing this stuff into the Pacific Ocean? I mean, I understand the impact on fish and on people, but I imagine there are other impacts as well um, in terms of life in the ocean and on the land. Kevin. Yeah, the um, simple explanation, unfortunately, is that the U.S. government, like the Japanese government, and like the U.N. International Atomic Energy Agency, are all pro-nuclear power. That's their policy. And that's even true of the Biden administration, unfortunately. And so we have a big fight on our hands to prevent this ongoing radioactive contamination of our environment, which is one of the downsides of nuclear power. And it's important to note that even normally operating so-called routine tritium releases from nuclear power plants happen all the time. 
So there's an infamous statement from a Tokyo Electric spokesman in the earliest weeks of this catastrophe who said, why are people getting so worked up about these oceanic releases? We would release 10% this much during routine operations, and that's very telling. So, yes, there are other impacts as well. Um, it's not just the tritium. There are scores of different radioactive poisons in this wastewater. The Japanese government, even this UN agency, would say, hey, these are permissible, these are allowable. That does not mean safe, but unfortunately it's often reported as safe. Any exposure to ionizing radioactivity, no matter how small, carries a health risk of cancer and other maladies, and those risks accumulate over a lifetime of exposure. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I'm reading that a June 2012 Stanford University study estimated that the radioactivity release from Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant could be responsible for 130 deaths from cancer globally and 199 cancer cases in total. I mean, those numbers seem a little conservative uh, to me, but the, in 2013, the World Health Organization reported um, that for populations living in most affected areas, there's a 70% higher risk of developing thyroid cancer for girls exposed as infants, a 7% higher risk of leukemia in males exposed as infants, a 6% higher risk of breast cancer in women exposed as infants and a 4% higher risk overall of developing solid cancers uh, for females. So there, you know, there really is a lot of concern here. But Kevin, following the disaster, and I think you were one of the first people, if I recall correctly, that we spoke to on this show following the disaster, was frantically uh, calling the experts in the area. We know that Germany said no to, to um, uh, nuclear power. However, we see that nuclear power, as you said, is embraced still um, by this administration and by other countries around the world now trying to get away from fossil fuels. Um, you know, I guess what you're saying is that nuclear energy really isn't a solution. I mean, it's being put forward as a clean solution. Just give us your final thoughts on, on that. Yes, nuclear power is way too expensive and way too slow to serve as a climate solution. It will not even show up at the starting gate and the climate catastrophe will have come and gone by that point. And it would rob the money from the actual solutions, which are energy efficiency and renewables like wind and solar. That's the way to go. And you would ask, what else could be done with this radioactive wastewater? As Sean Burney from Greenpeace International said, it simply needs to be stored for about 125 years to allow the tritium to radioactively decay. So it needs to be stabilized where it's at, and it needs to uh, be protected that whole time, not dumped into the seafood supply of the world. Right. Well, um, Kevin, for people who want to keep up um, with what you're doing and with um, Beyond Nuclear, what should they do? Well, our website is beyondnuclear.org, and as the Chernobyl 35th anniversary is about to take place on April 26th, Please check out that section of our website where actually casualties are probably more like more than a million deaths attributable to Chernobyl. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, uh, Kevin Kemps, thank you so very much uh, for your work and taking the time to join us today. All the best. Thanks, thank Margaret. you. You too. Happy Earth Day.